Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, the 98.2, where attitude is everything. Today, we're uh, joined by none other than Aubrey Monroe Watson, uh, one of the top uh, softball players in the country, if not the world. She's known as the best defensive catcher in the country, and she has a list of accolades um, that is as long as any anybody's uh, you know travel plans. I travel all over the country, but I, I tell you, if I listed one of the accolades out for every city um, that I go to, I, I tell you, I still probably wouldn't be able to do this in my lifetime. Um, she's a Team USA uh, member, a world championship uh, gold medalist, Pan American championship uh, gold medalist in 2017, a University of Florida graduate, and she's on the Olympic team that's going to be in Tokyo in 2021. Please, please, please welcome to the show, Miss Aubrey Monroe Watson. Hello. Ready? Excited. <laughs> well, I think one of the first lessons in this is lemonade. Uh, Aubrey, because obviously in the times that we're in now, right, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. And yes. we actually just started off the podcast and I didn't push record. So I love this because we started in, I asked you how you met your husband. You're going to have to say it again. Um, That's all right. So we're going to ask you, uh, how did you, uh, how did you meet your man right off the bat? All right. So um, we met at school. I was a softball player at University of Florida. He was a tennis player. And we met at a community service event that the athletes put on and met him, seemed like a nice guy, cool. We were sophomores. And then we went out to a country bar like a week later. He spun me and he flipped me and I was like, okay, this guy's pretty cool. And we just kind of started dating, talking after that. And so we've been together for about six years and we got married about a year ago. How much of a, uh, a percentage would you say the fact that he could dance, that, you, that he, he was able to keep Aubrey around in his life? Definitely piqued my interest early. <laughs> Is that, is that a prerequisite? Is that something? Cause from it's the, not. It's not. It's definitely not, but I was impressed. Okay. I was like, okay, this is a, this guy's fun and it's, we're going to have a good time. <laughs> now, does he have country rhythm or does he have rhythm rhythm where it could transcend all music? Um, more country rhythm. Okay. It's not that it doesn't go into anything else, but he thrives in the country. <laughs> okay. Now, how about yourself? You got rhythm? You, you, you got yes. rhythm? You do. You got, I have rhythm. You got game. Is more, I have general rhythm, can't do choreography. So it takes me like until the end of the line dance to figure it out. Okay. But I get there eventually. <laughs> and yours transcends. Does it transcend? Like, yes. you know, does Aubrey get, uh, does she wow out when she oh, hears I, some hip hop too? Down. You can. I can get down. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you ain't, you ain't shaking it like a white girl then. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I love this. Okay. So, uh, who approached who then? Uh, did he approach you? You approach him? You know, we were doing, we were playing soccer with the event is for kids in the area of Gainesville that um, either have cancer or their siblings. And so we're out there. It's like a field day. So we were playing soccer and I'm terrible at soccer. Honestly, I'm really not good at anything but softball when it comes to sports. <laughs> I put all my eggs in one basket and it's worked out well for me. But when you see me do other things, it's like, what? You're an athlete. <laughs> so um we were playing soccer with tennis team and all these kids running around and he's actually really good at soccer. And so I was acting a fool, just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this stuff. Like I'm missing the ball, looking stupid. And, um, he kept feeding me the ball and I'm like, dude, I'm not good at this. <laughs> so it was probably relatively mutual. Like we just kind of came up to that. Hey, what's your name? You know, haven't seen you around before. And, um, but he's the one who initiated me going to the country bar 
to go hang out because okay. I'd never been and I'd been wanting to go and he apparently went every week. So well, if he was spinning yeah. and flipping and doing all that stuff now, did yeah. he, did he have some tight jeans on? No, 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 he's not a tight jeans guy. He doesn't go, he doesn't go with that one. Some no. tight cut, uh, tight ones with the oh, boot no. cut on there. Yeah. Does okay. he, what kind of cowboy boots he wear? We wear the flat ones or the, the pointy ones? No, he had pointy ones. He's got a little, okay. a little bit of a heel on there. Yeah. Got a heel I mean, too? A little bit. Yeah. Okay. Like, okay. So you're not like just a country boy who's got like your work boots on. You've got like your dancing boots. Did he have some Lucchese's on or what? Is it, what's the, what kind of boots he got? He got boot game? Uh, they were Justin's. Okay. If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. Which apparently he just went in and grabbed. He needed some boots and he went to Boot Barn his freshman year and just grabbed a pair of boots. And he still has them to this day. They're his favorite boots. So were you always a country fan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We grew up, I mean, for a while it was just me, my mom, and my older sister. And we, all we listened to when I was a kid was Dixie Chicks, Tim McGraw, Faith Hill, Country Radio, all the time. So I knew I know all the all the good country gold from like the the late nineties, early two thousands. <laughs> yes. So okay, you said that you were talking about rhythm. Now now you were you were listening to country. When did the hip hop like when did the like what's that song that makes Aubrey go crazy? Like when oh, you gosh. hear it that you jump on and it's just it's it's lights out. Ooh, that's hard. There's I just like music. I just, I just move. I don't really have any, like, I, like I said, I can't do choreography. So all these cool dances that the kids are doing on TikTok and all tough. that, it takes me so long. When quarantine started, my older sister and I got on TikTok just so that we could challenge my younger sisters who were 15 on TikTok dances. So oh, I yeah. was a private account. Nobody could follow me. And I was, we would just find them and challenge each other. And my little sister's would have it down in like a day and me and my older sister are like two weeks later. Okay. We got it. <laughs> so, um, I don't, there's not really one song. I just, I just like music. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Now, did you dance growing up? Did you go to dance classes and stuff like that? No, no but you just had rhythm. No. You just had a little rhythm. Yeah. Okay. Learned, just learned rhythm. My older sister danced. Um, but I was always, um, I mean, I started playing softball when I was, started t-ball when i was like four or five mm-hmm. um and i've been catching since i was six so i always just i knew i loved softball i played a little bit of basketball played a little volleyball um but knew i would love just knew that i would always choose softball and my older sister she dabbled in everything she played sports she did softball and volleyball she did theater she did dance so she she did a little bit of everything but i was always like yeah i like softball <laughs> That's awesome. So <clears throat> we're going to do this like a, a Quentin Tarantino movie, if you don't mind. Oh, we're going to okay. start at where you're at, right? Like where you're at right now. Mm-hmm. I want you to explain to some of the people, because when I go through and obviously I list off the, the, the accolades, things like that. And June, which we're in right now, is uh, Powerful Women Month. And I am dropping so cool. anything and everything from uh, anywhere from Megan Olivia, uh, she's going to be on the podcast here, here coming soon. Um, she she dropped. She was the uh, the correspondent for the UFC uh, and for um, ESPN. I've got my aunt who is a three time cancer survivor. We have got vice wow. presidents of companies, things like that, and it's all about women and that that uh, that power structure. And it's not the traditional side, right? Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times when a woman becomes successful, they almost get a different stigma. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us where the the Tarantino part is like, we're going to go to where you're at now and then we're going to backtrack. Then we're going to go forward and we're going to, we're going to jump around, which would be fun. So 
explain to us like the, the, and I know you're super humble, so I'm just going to keep asking you the question. If I ask you the question, okay. it's not being like about yourself. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So explain to us right now, how many people are on the, uh, the, on the Olympic team? So we have 18 people on the roster. Three of them are alternates. So when we go to Tokyo, 15 will be rostered, but we function as a team of 18. So you're saying in our whole entire United States, there is only 15 people that could be in the situation you're in? Yeah. Okay. How many catchers are there? We have four. Okay. Three like pure catchers that like all we do is catch. Like don't put, don't put me somewhere else, okay? Okay. <laughs> you don't want to put me anywhere else. And then we have one. Um, that can play a little bit first in a couple other positions. So you're saying, I mean, the fourth one would be just in case all three of you got hurt. That would be like a last stitch. You know what I'm <laughs> she, saying? No, she's very talented, but no. um, she's got. She I mean, honestly, but she hits like it's like it's nobody's business. Okay. Like she can mash. Okay. So she's. You can expect to probably see her hitting some deep home runs. In okay. Tokyo. So. <clears throat> but what I'm saying is, is really, I mean, I there's three people, <laughs> there's three people, Aubrey, this is why I love you. And I wanted to interview <laughs> is because you're so humble. Like I'm going to draw this stuff out. I was telling you earlier <laughs> that this is the reason why God didn't give me this kind of talent. Cause I would wear a cape and I'd have a fan in front of me at all times. It would be blowing <laughs> my cape and I'd be like, yo, this is what I do. There's only yeah. three people in the whole United States that are uh, at the level that you're at. Yeah. Only three. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love that your face is just like, <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm, yep. Yeah. I couldn't imagine if you're listening to this out here, imagine if there was only three positions at your job in the whole entire United States. You think you'd get the job. Aubrey did. Uh, so, uh, that's, a, that's a cool way to think about it. <laughs> no thing, I mean, like, what does your husband do? Um, he is a charter boat captain and he does real estate. Okay. So, so imagine if there was only three real estate agents in the whole country and he was vying for that position. Like mm-hmm. now when you get off this call, you should tell your man, be like, look, <laughs> you know what I mean? So you better act right. <laughs> you better change right, your last yeah. name to my last name. <laughs> That's how I do it. So, okay. So, uh, we've got 15 people on the roster. We got, uh, 18 with the alternates. We got three mm-hmm. people in your position. Um, mm-hmm. but you, you're the, you're the starting catcher, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So there's <laughs> one person in the whole United States that's in your position, um, uh, tell us, uh, tell us some other things that are going on right now. Let's see. Well, we were on tour, so okay. we were going to be on like a seventh, seven month long tour starting at the end of January, all the way to when we would go to Tokyo, where we were basically on the road, we were playing, we were training, um, which for us was actually kind of cool because softball is not a super like lucrative sport. And so we got to actually like wake up and, Today, all I have to do is play softball and train with my team, and that's my job. And it felt pretty cool, like real professional athletes. And so um, we were right in the middle of tour, training, uh, gearing up for Tokyo, playing across. Like, I mean, I was fortunate. We got to play at UF, which was so fun, but big crowds. I mean, autographs after every game, just people so excited to come watch us play, which is so cool because I was the little girl at a, on a Team USA tour stop getting autographs. So it's cool to see that come full circle, but then our tour was canceled due to all the COVID stuff. Um, and the Olympics was postponed. So now we're all kind of just sort of waiting, training on our own at home. Um, it's been a weird time, but we're also weirdly prepared for it because we have, we're typically used to training on our own all year, playing together for the summer with a limited schedule and sometimes limited resources. And okay 
go qualify for the Olympics with a very limited schedule and do great. And then like, see you later, see you at tryouts in January. And so, yeah, it's, it's a weird process, but I think we're all managing pretty well. It's, um, but just a lot of it's up in the air. So we're just kind of doing our own thing, trying to stay connected. And how about as far as, cause I know that, uh, you, you just, you're sponsored too, and you're sponsored by one of my favorite companies in the world. Um, yeah. I, I was, this one? <laughs> <laughs> what one is that? What one is that? Aubrey? This is Nike. Yes. Yes. Get it all the way up there through my hair. Okay. How does that feel? Like, how does that feel to be number one? Well, when I say number one, well, you are number one. So I am, yeah. <laughs> number one, uh, that you are the top in the whole industry at what you do. And then um, that you're sponsored by the top in the sports industry. It's unreal. Honestly, it's just so cool. Um, Cause your, your brother Rob actually represents me and he has been so incredible over the last couple of years. And so when I came to Rob, I was like, okay, I need help. Like, I don't know contracts and I, I'm not good at asking for more and, you know, you know, pushing and really asking for my value and things like that. And so he had me make a wish list in 2018 and Nike was at the top and all these other brands. And so then when we finally got the Nike deal in, let's see, I think we finished conversations in late February, signed in March. And so he sent me my wish list from 2018 and it was like, holy cow, this was two years ago and we're here. So, I mean, it's, it's truly just like unbelievable and so much fun. And um, just how Nike handles their business has been really cool to see, even just as like, just someone involved in this business. Like they, I mean, they really do it right. Like top to bottom, it is just so professional and the way they put out content is just like, it's just so cool to be a part of Nike. <laughs> wow. So Cardenas Law Group, guys. Yeah. Um, this guy, honestly, he is he's the best in the business. I, I remember hearing about this. I remember hearing about the, the wish list. Mm -hmm. And then, but there was some lemons that came about. Okay. Yes. So let's talk about that because I'm all about making lemonade. And uh, I've, I've made lemonade in my, in my life, uh, mm -hmm. my, my whole entire life. We used to have a tree outside of our, uh, outside of our yard or outside of our house when I was in... <clears throat> I believe a senior in high school and my mom every morning would pick a, a fresh lemon. She would take the hand squeezer and she would squeeze the lemon and then she would put some sugar in there, make some, put some water in there and she would make me lemonade fresh every single day. Wow. She was also a woman, uh, God rest her soul that she made $200 a week uh, under the table and our rent payment was 700 and there was no other income in our family and she made it work. So she constantly let us know that no matter what happens in your life, make lemonade. Absolutely. You know exactly what I'm talking about with this. Mm -hmm. You were served some lemons right before this Nike thing happened. How did you make lemonade out of it? And tell us about the lemons that were served. Oh, wait. I'm trying to think of what, what lemons you're talking about. There was another, there was another, uh, uh sponsorship that was coming through that, uh, uh, stepped out. Oh yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I I, I've had lots of lemons. Man. I'm trying <laughs> to figure out which one. We're going uh, to yeah. them, baby. Yeah. Um, so I had the opportunity to work with Dick Sporting Goods as well. And that table, that deal was on the table and with everything kind of going on and just, um, that was really exciting and we were going back and forth and Rob was really helpful there. And then, um, then all of a sudden we get sent home, companies are starting to realize, okay, this pandemic serious. And then the Dick's thing got pulled. And so it was like, okay, so 
now we don't know if that's going to happen. And just like throughout this whole time, like we've been getting some opportunities with other companies and just like trying to see what our value is at and see, um, you know, Rob's always been really good at like challenging that and like pushing for, for what I'm worth, which has been such a great learning experience for me to actually like voice that and learn that. And um, now I'm able to have those type of conversations. Like, no, this is what I'm worth. This is what I'm valued at. Like um, my time, my, my likeness, my image, everything is of value at this point. And so um, learning to kind of have those conversations professionally and maturely. Um, but there's been companies throughout the last couple of years that have kind of reached out and we've passed on and we've been patient and um, we didn't know Nike was coming, but we've really, we've just held out. We've been patient. And there were some really frustrating times where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is never going to happen. I'm playing for Team USA. Why doesn't anybody want to sponsor me? And, you know, Rob was always just really like, okay, no, I think it's going to come. Like, you know, you do things right. And I was like, okay. And so then when we got, you know, the email from Nike that they were interested in, then we were able to kind of like work through that process and then to finally get the email like all right we're good like welcome to the nike family was like the biggest win you know just from being patient over the years and then you know just there's a lot of unknowns in this whole season of life right now for everybody i mean for for individuals for companies it's, it's just a lot and so it was really cool that nike honored that um commitment and because it's it i mean i'm not uh, naive to the fact that this is still business, you know, and so businesses have to make decisions. But at the same time, it was just like so cool. And um, to have someone in my corner who's like, no, this is what you're worth. And like, we're not, we're not gonna like break on that was has been like a total game changer for me. And to really not only be like, okay, like someone else thinks I'm worth this, someone else thinks um, that I'm of X value, whatever, to now I'm like, no, no, I know that I'm worth this and I know what my value is and I know what I bring to a company or a brand and really being able to be confident in that and to voice that. Well, it's, it's incredible to have Rob on your side. Um, mm -hmm. I've had him on my side. He's been my hero for my whole entire life. And to have him on your side is the best thing in the world, but you do yes. not want to be on the other side of that dude. <laughs> um, you don't because honestly, you're going to get, <laughs> he's, he's just the best. He's incredible. So let's go back to uh, young Aubrey, right? Mm -hmm. um, so starting off, uh, you know, you said you played t-ball and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, you're four years old. Um, Obviously, you probably weren't thinking that, hey, I'm going to be the, uh, you know, the best defensive catcher in the yeah. freaking world. Um, but let's start us off there. I mean, where was the, you know, as far as confidence level, things like that? I mean, as a young girl, did you struggle like most young girls? Yeah, um, I think not so much when I was really young. I didn't like I didn't I didn't know enough to not be confident. I was just a kid playing a game. Um, but we grew up in Southern California in Orange County and. I played in Brea where my grandpa, like my parents got divorced when I was four. And so then we moved in with my grandparents and my grandpa was like Mr. Softball in Brea, like from when my mom played to, to um, when I was growing up, because I actually grew up in the house that my mom grew up in. And so um, we, I started playing t-ball in the same league that my mom played in. And I, after the first year, I was like, mom, I'm over this t-ball stuff. I want to hit off a pitcher, which I don't know where I got the confidence to think that because I wasn't good yet. So um, I move up to eight and under and I'm on this team. My mom's my coach with another couple moms and we have the hardest throwing pitcher in our division. She throws so hard. And before one of our games, I'm six years old playing with seven and eight year olds. Before one of our games, the catcher starts crying and she's like, coach Denise, who's my mom 
coach Denise, I, I, I can't catch Jenna. She throws too hard. She's crying. And my mom looks to me, I'm a nugget of a kid. Like I'm so little compared to all these other girls. She goes, Aubrey, what do you think about catching? Cause I'm the only person she could force back there because I was her kid. Like she can't force someone else's kid back there. It's like a liability. So <laughs> she puts me back there and I'm like, cool. I like the gear. I'll do it. First ball hits me right in the stomach. Like, Jenna's scared to throw and the moms come off the buckets like are you okay and I'm like I didn't feel a thing this is so cool and I felt so tough and I was like skipping to the car because I caught two balls in my glove that night but that was the first game I ever caught and I never looked back I started catching all the time that year and um I just I loved being involved I loved like having so much to do with the game. And so ever since then I started catching and that's really what made me fall in love with the game. Um, and so confidence wise, I've always felt so at home and so like most myself when I was catching. And so like, as my journey kind of went through, I re- I struggled with confidence a lot offensively, which would then kind of, I realized in college that a lot of my identity was wrapped up in softball and that became a problem for me. Um, but I didn't struggle a lot with confidence as a young kid because I was just so in love with what I was doing and I just wanted to be good at it. And, um, but as I got older and I realized that I needed to be a little bit more of a complete player offensively and all that, um, I started to, you know, I had my doubts. I had, it's crazy that my travel ball team that I ended up like basically learning how to truly win on, um, the SoCal athletics that I was on for my sophomore year through my senior year of high school, um, that team, I crashed a practice to get on it. I thought it was a tryout, like an invite. Only. I, I didn't know this. I thought it was a tryout. And it turns out it's a practice. I show up. They let me practice with them. I don't know why they did that. But I practiced with them. I'm like, oh, my gosh, mom, this is where I want to be. And the coach comes up to me and my mom after the practice. We're, like, about ready to go home, like, wait for a phone call. <laughs> sure. And this guy goes, um you know we're gonna have a meeting we'd like for you to stay he goes but I have to ask you like what are you doing here and my mom and I are like we're here to try out duh like we had no idea and he goes we don't do tryouts like this is an invite only team and I'm mortified absolutely mortified but at the same time I'm like I want to play here (laughs) so I end up staying on that team and we won national championships for um premier girls fast pitch my sophomore junior and senior year um and I truly like learned how to win on that team I learned how to like go about my business in a really professional way um and it's just so crazy but like prior to that tryout tryout um I left my old team because I was like okay I need to go up a level this isn't like I'm not getting better I don't this isn't gonna get me where I truly want to be so I'm gonna like take the take the leap here and go try out for other teams try it out for four other teams all of them said no. Like one, well, one of them, I puked at their, at their tryout. I was so hot and I was out of shape and I was like, that's embarrassing. So that's not going to work. <laughs> and then the next tryout, they didn't need another catcher. Um, the next tryout, they didn't need another catcher. And then the other one was like, they were younger. And so like, they were like, yeah, no, we'll take you. That'd be great. But I was like, okay, hey, that doesn't, I felt like the lateral move. And so this practice slash tryout in my mind with the SoCal athletics was like, my last stitch effort, like I had nothing to lose and it worked out, you know? So it's just like, when I think about that, like, but that season of right before I made that team, I was so insecure. I remember after that 
first tryout that I threw up at, I was like, mom, I'm in tears, mom, like, no one's gonna want me, I shouldn't have left, like, I'm not good enough, this isn't gonna work, and I'm just in tears, and then, like, fast forward a month and a half, and I end up on a team that I shouldn't have ended up on, and from there, not knowing at the time even what was in store for me as a person, my growth and success that would ultimately lead to me going to Florida, so it's, like, it's, it's crazy how in that one season of like total insecurity, like, what did I do? I made a mistake. What am I like? Probably my first experience of like doubt as a, you know, person coming into young adulthood of like, I took the leap and it was bad. (laughs) And to then have it pay off so profoundly at the end, it's just like, it's just wild. So that was probably my first experience though with some insecurity and, you know, not knowing if it was ever going to work out. <laughs> so take us, take us back to, uh, you said that your parents got uh, divorced at like mm-hmm. three or four, three, uh, yeah, right four, before I turned four. about four. Okay. So do you remember it? Um, I don't like I do and I don't okay. because to me, nothing really like I wasn't old enough to understand like divorce, Yeah, but I was like, okay, like we see dad every other weekend and like on Wednesdays and like, it just, it didn't phase me much at that age. Okay. So I do remember, but it wasn't like a something that I remember being really emotional about. Okay. So how about and you said that you uh, your parents got divorced and then you uh, you and your mom moved in with your grandfather, right? And your sister, mm-hmm. you have sisters too. Yeah, my okay. older sister. So your older sister, you guys move in with grandpa. Um, this becomes the new normal. So obviously yes. at that age, it's not abnormal. I remember living with our grandfather at one point and I was like, wow, we're on vacation. But now I look back at it and I'm like, no, my parents were split up for a while, you know? <laughs> so it becomes your kind of normal. Now you're grow- you're going uh, through, does your mom get married again? Yeah. So actually both my parents got remarried, um, but my mom got remarried. Gosh, I think that was right before. Yeah. The summer before fourth grade. Okay. Yeah. So how was that? Because you're nine years old, about nine, 10 years old, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I'm, I'm a magician here because all you do is add five years to your grade <laughs> and that becomes your age. That's that. that oh, that, sweet. That, this is my smarts. You went to university, you went to university of Florida. You're on the USA team. You're <laughs> going to the Olympics. I can do simple math. Um, so, uh, you at nine years old, do you have a little bit of that chip on your shoulder as far as, because you love pop, you're seeing them, you know, every weekend, whatever it is. Now there's a new person that comes into the life. My wife had her stepdad come in at like 13 and my, my wife was, my wife is straight gangster. When you meet her, um, (laughs) she was ready to cut a brother, um, when he came in the house, was it an easy transition for you and to be able to accept, or were you kind of, ah, like stay away? Um, you know what? It was actually easy because funny story. Um, my stepdad who I'm actually very, very close with, I call him dad. Um, but the, he was my softball coach. They oh, met man. coaching me okay. in rec league. So I was like eight, you, my mom knew this guy from the league, the, that he was, she was going to coach with. And he's like, Hey, I know this guy. He played minor league ball. He's great with kids and uh-huh. brings him on. My dad is super introverted, like not a big talker. And so the first year, it was like they hardly didn't talk much, but he was great with us, like the players. He was like fun coach Dave. And so they met and then out of nowhere, they coach again the next year, the three of them together. And he asked my mom on a date. And I was like, what? Like, you didn't even talk for like a year. <laughs> um, so I think the biggest transition was more um, when they started dating uh, because I had like a coach, like, oh, fun coach Dave kind of relationship 
with him like this is so cool and then like now he's hanging out at our house and honestly it wasn't so much that it was against him it was just like me and my mom and my sister uh-huh. were so we were like a little three pack for yeah. a really long time so i think that was more like the small beef for a while okay. um but it was just i mean he just really came into our family and was never like kind of assuming or like trying he really he's always been really respectful of what the three of us have um and just the relationship that we have my mom is a pro mom and he's always been like okay you do your thing with the girls and the kids and like so he's always been really respectful and we're super super close I mean he's he helped me a lot with just my with my game but just on top of that we're actually a lot alike given we're not like biologically related oh, that's awesome now how about your sis was your was your sis i mean because you're like i have an older brother my brother older mm-hmm. brother is very protective i remember at one point uh some dude little kid at a, a grocery store tried to t- holler at my mom one time and <laughs> me and my, my my two brothers and my brother is like at this time rob you know him now but mm-hmm. rob is like in eighth grade and th- this dude i think is like 19 or 20 my brother goes to the shopping center where the kid works that hit on my mom and he was like yo you don't need it. and and as an eighth grader he bucked up to this dude and the dude never talked to my mom again so that's hilarious was your sister like that was your sister kind of protective on it uh she was protective of me okay. um i don't i don't remember anything really with her and my dad and my mom i don't really i don't think it was like that but she's always been super protective of me okay like i am she's been protective of me since forever it's just i mean we had one year of high school together where she was a senior and i was a freshman Ooh, man she almost got in a fight for me <laughs> <laughs> like dude you need to chill so uh now you guys are th- three years apart then mm-hmm. okay so you're three years apart you guys ever like the same boy no no, no, just different tastes or no. I mean, you made it sound like you, the, you guys, you date like Martians and she dates human beings. I'm saying oh, that you're only no, three no. years apart. She's, yeah, no, no different <laughs> taste, <laughs> different taste. And just like, I was such a tomboy. Okay. I, I didn't have a boyfriend until like my, barely my junior year of high school. So I wasn't really even dating anybody until you just weren't noticing them. They were noticing you. No, yes, they were. Yes. No. You're, you're but humble. My, sister, you're, my sister's a lot girlier than I am too. Like she's, I've always been like jeans and a t-shirt, like simple. And my sister's got more taste and more style, a little more flair. So <laughs> she's, she's the sassy one of the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I look at this and I, I, I want my daughter to play sports. My brother's been really adamant with his daughter playing sports because mm-hmm. we found that it added so much confidence and confidence yeah. running into relationships mm-hmm. as you work forward. Speak to that a little bit, because I think a lot of times when a person, like especially a woman, lacks confidence with themselves, um, a lot of times they allow silly relationships into their life. Um, How much did that play a part for you? Oh, I was the girl who allowed some silly relationships in my life, so I can't deny that. Just stupid high school (laughs) boys, but whatever. Um, But I totally agree. I think it's um, when you're like when you are able to do a task, I think confidently, and then, you know, you're with a team, you're with people that are building you up, um, that are like, so for you. And that's what you get. And I think even particularly on girls teams, I mean, you get catty stuff, but like when you're in a good group of women or young women, like that are truly for you, the camaraderie on women's teams, the chemistry is just kind of different. And so there's confidence in that. And then as you learn to take criticism from coaches and learn to kind of filter through information that you get, like it makes dealing with boys 
easy. You're like, okay, you don't know anything about me. I can do this and this and this. And you're over there doing like, you don't have any interest. You don't have any passions. You know, my mom always told us like you, like if you're going to date a guy, like you need to make sure he has something else going on in his life. And we were like, mom, why? Like, what do you mean? She goes, you don't want him waiting around for you. You are playing sports. You want to get a scholarship. You have all these dreams and goals. And if you have some guy who's just like sitting around waiting for you to get done, it's not going to be good. And we were like, okay. And honestly, like it's the more I kind of like, the more I grew up, the relationships that I had, the relationships I saw with my friends, it's like, dang, there's some truth to that, you know? And it doesn't have to be sports for them. Like, but just have something, you know, that you're devoting your time to because it's just not real good for anybody to just be waiting for someone else to be done with their activities. You know what I mean? And so I think learning that and then just like having, gaining confidence in one area of your life and like seeing how that can just seep into other areas of your life. And I think it happens you know, kind of timing wise with maturity a little bit for everybody. Um, But I found a really big difference from like high school to college when I was like, okay, no, I I know who I am. I know what I want and I'm not messing around. So if you're not into it, then bye. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So let's go back just a little bit though, because Mm -hmm. you said you had some boneheads uh, that you you talked (laughs) to in high school. So you you had some boneheads. You you were not listening to mama at this time Um, because we look at the the golden child that we're talking to right now. That's like, you know, (laughs) sweetheart, USA, uh, Olympic team, all these things. But you mean that there was a a little chink in the armor? I mean, you you didn't listen to your coaches and your moms? Because I'm sure your coaches were like, stay away from boys. Your mom was like, stay away. Let's get focused. Let's make sure that we keep going. So how did that creep in? How did like, um, I mean, I mentioned that I didn't really have a lot of boyfriends, like, or really in general. I mean, I've had, I had two boyfriends in high school and I had my husband. So it's like, I've had three boyfriends in my life. And a little bit of it was attention. It was like, Oh, it feels really good to have someone like you and like, want to like talk to you all the time. So some of it was attention. Um, and then I think a lot of it was just feeling, feeling validated by a person. But to me, like now, I mean, I'm, I'm a Christian and I'm really outspoken about my faith. And so now I like in my freshman year of college is when I really found my relationship with Christ. And from that moment, I really realized like, okay, I can't find my validation from people. I especially cannot find validation from guys, especially young men that don't know what the heck they're doing yet. So um, I think for me, it was, Um, the biggest game changer for me was really finding my value and my identity and my validation in what God says about me. And then the rest of it can kind of take care of itself. You know, like I can, when I got to that place, I was able to really trust what God had for me. And like, if something didn't work out, it wasn't, while it might've been disappointing or upsetting, it wasn't the end of the world. Cause I'm like, all right, well, if it's like, God's got a plan, you know, and I'm just going to trust that. I'm going to just keep doing my part and he's got something for me, you know? And so Um, I just don't think I really, when I, I didn't think that I struggled with my self-esteem or my confidence in high school. Like at the time I thought I was really confident, but when I found true confidence and when I really started walking in that, I was like, Ooh, I was, I was trying to fill some voids. I was trying to, you know, I was using the attention I was using, you know, that it felt good to have someone want to hang out with me all the time. And, you know, that kind of stuff to kind of fill that, that void. And, um, and just, I'm also very much a comfort zone person. So I probably let, let a boy hang around a little bit too long because I didn't want to deal with change. Um, so there's, I can speak to that probably for an hour, but <laughs> it's, um, 
a little bit of just like not wanting to embark on new and, and unknown. So um, I think, but my faith was really the game changer, not only for me as an athlete, but just in my personal life. I mean, it was at that point where I, my freshman year of college, I truly gave my life to Jesus. And coming back from my sophomore year of college, I was like, all right, God, like I'm gonna put myself out there a little bit. And like, I started really praying for a godly man. I started praying um, really specific prayers for a relationship. And I actually met my husband like two months later or something like that. And I didn't know at the time, like, oh, he's the guy I'm going to marry. But I knew he was different, you know? And so I knew that it was, it was worth pursuing and God's totally faithful. I mean, to, to where, where we are now and what we've been through and what, and how, what our relationship is built on. It's just been like, so cool. Well, well, we're going to do a disclaimer though, too. Those of you out there that uh, start a relationship with the Lord, most of you aren't going to pray for like two months and then get your man. True. So uh, just, <laughs> just, I, I, Aubrey, I, will, I want to make sure that we don't lead them no, down that road. Cause a lot of, a lot of women out there are like, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to pray for the next two weeks. And Prince Charming is coming. No, he ain't. You're, you're going to kiss a lot of frogs before that happens. You, um, you really are. So let's, let's, let's move. I have move. to be careful. I tell young girls that and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm like, hold up. Girlfriend. <laughs> It's not a promise or a recipe. This is just faithfulness and see what God has. <laughs> well, I think I think it goes right to the fact of like people see you and they see what you're doing and they want to do what you're doing, but they don't realize the process that it took to be able right. to get there. That's why I was right. talking about the lemons. Like you thinking about like you quitting a team and mm-hmm. saying, I need to level up. And then for people, it doesn't work out. And you're like, oh my gosh, right. maybe I shouldn't have quit. And then the fifth one is the one that jumps, right? right. And that, that sends that trajectory. So most people, again, are looking at the, the, the results of what you're doing, yeah. but they're not looking at, you know, the, 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 the shoes that you walked in and the mm-hmm. miles and miles and miles. So let's you you said something earlier that really really piqued my interest and i think it's going to grab a hold of everybody you said when you got on that uh that team that that you crashed the party you showed you showed up to somebody else's birthday and was like yo it's Basically. my party um you yeah. said that on that team you learned how to win um mm-hmm. okay help us to understand what you mean yeah okay so um it's funny cuz i've obviously I've been on some really successful teams at Florida. We had like a culture in place that was about winning and it was a really cool thing to be a part of. But when I really think about how I learned to win, I think back to that travel ball team. I mean, my coaches were tough. They had expectations like in standards for us to uphold and not just on the field. It was when we're traveling as a team and like, we're going through the airport. Don't look like a bum. Like we're gonna, you don't have to like, be fully done but like there's a level of sharpness you know that that stuff matters and how we practice matters so like not just going through the motions of you know taking ground balls it was make every single rep count like we there's teams that would practice for six hours on a Sunday we'd be out there for three hours and we would probably get more done because we ran a really really sharp practice um so I just really learned like standards to win you know and expectations and really like and just grittiness and I've at the time I thought like oh I leveled up this is what it's like like this is this is where I thrive this is what I want but the older I get the more I realize how rare that that group was that that coaching staff um and the girls that were on that team who some of which are still my best friends like I truly learned how to compete you know not just like oh I learned how like my swing got better or my throws got better or like my talents were fostered whatever like 
I learned how to compete. And I think that's something that is really important for athletes. Like, yes, there, there's plays. Like if you play basketball or there's certain, like there's plays in place, you know, and you can, they're built for success with your personnel. But when you get down to it, it's about competing, you know, and when you get down to like down to the wire, your back's against the wall, like you have to score or your, your journey is over. Like that's really, that's how I learned to like tap into that part of me on that team. And that's what I think about when I learned how to win is like, I learned how to tap into that part that just wants to compete that I don't care who you are. I don't care who I am. I don't care like what what has led to this moment? Like I am just going to be completely present and I'm going to compete in this moment. And that's what we did on that team. And I took that with me to the university of Florida and we had crazy success there because then it was like, okay, we had a group of high school kids that, you know, we all went off to great schools and it was fun. And then we get to Florida and it's like, okay, everyone here has been recruited to be here and for very specific reasons, for very specific jobs. And it's kind of, you level up again. And I struggled that first year, but my sophomore and junior year, we won. And my senior year, unfortunately, we lost in horribly, just a painful way, walk-off fashion at home in Super Regionals to not go to the World Series. Um, but we were ranked number one the whole year. I mean, so we experienced a lot of success. And I think it truly really came down to just competing in every moment. And when you have a core group of people on a team or you're, say you're in an individual sport, like if you know how to compete and just like, again, None of that other stuff matters. You prepared, cool, you're like, but you're in the moment. There's something in each of us that if you can tap into that, like that's that's what I think like the secret sauce is. People ask me that sometimes, like, what does it take to do? I'm like, just compete, love the competition, thrive in competition, you know, because there's people that are incredibly talented that have um, beautiful strengths that train so well, and but for some reason they don't thrive in competition. And so I feel like I've always thrived in that spot. Like we're playing in 2018 to win a gold medal at world championships and to get to qualify for the Olympics. We're playing, we go into extra innings against Japan. And this is like my favorite place to be, you know, like I am smiling in the peak of competition. And I think if you can get to that place and you have a group of people that can get to that place, that's what makes you unstoppable. So unpack that competition part, because <clears throat> I think it's a, a part that people don't, uh, don't realize. Like, I mean, I've been, it's been great. Uh, I, I, I like the lemons that the world has given us in COVID because yeah. the lemonade that we got was the last dance. Um, yeah. oh and I'm sure God. you watched that. So good. Okay. Best God. documentary I've ever seen. Are you so watching, good. are you watching Lance right now? No, but I, I just saw a notification about that. I didn't even know it was coming out. Girl, is it good? you have to watch Lance. Okay. I'm a, I'm a cyclist. Uh, I'm not like a cyclist oh. on that level, but I ride a bike in some tights. Um, so <laughs> I guess I could call it that. But yeah. I just, I'm really, really intrigued by it. But uh, when, when I say this, like, uh, and you know, I, I know this about you anyway, but your competition is fierce and your competition, you're, you're a killer. I know this. Mm-hmm. MJ was a killer and that's why yeah. there's no, there is no argument on this planet that e- anyone's even in his league. The people who say LeBron, LeBron has been in nine championships and only won three. Um, Michael Jordan, every time he was in, he won. He's a yeah. killer. Lance, although he did some funny stuff and did all these things, he still won seven in a row when everyone else yeah. was doing the exact same thing he was doing. So yeah. some people are going to hate me for saying that. Even <laughs> we were talking Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds was a killer. 
Everyone else was using steroids, but it didn't cause him to be able to hit the ball, and he smashed things. Okay, now, you're a character built, like you're a person of integrity, though, and Mm -hmm. so I I don't want to compare you to a person who's using performance-enhancing drugs or anything like that. (laughs) All I'm doing, though, is I'm saying the killer instinct. Mm -hmm. Unpack, compete, because it's something that most people can, they don't, they they can't wrap their mind around, like, Mm -hmm the killer part of it. Right. Um, you know, it's actually, it's something I've been thinking a lot about, like probably the last two years of just trying to find like, what makes some people just different? Like, what are they tapping into? Like, what do I feel like I'm tapping into? Um, because I'm not, I was not the superstar growing up. You know, I've, I've always been really good at what I do, like behind the plate and catching, but I've had to grind to be good offensively. Um, and I've had to grind. I mean, I'm a string bean. So people have doubted me simply because of my build my whole life. And so it's not like a, like, I, I just always like rose to the occasion, you know? And honestly, so you kind of talk about how I'm humble and it's, I was raised to be humble and I was raised to put the team first. So for me, I'm always better when like individual stuff is out the window. And so for me, it's like that, that's the competition is I don't care about my person. I don't care even how this looks. I don't care if this is the ugliest ground ball hit you have ever seen in your life but if I am safe then I'm good with it you know and so it's like for me that's always I've I've learned over the years that like when my team needs me most somehow that's how I tap into it um which is good for me I wish I could do it all the time because I would have had way better stats but (laughs) for whatever um but when I think about um like MJ in the last dance it's just there's a fire about it that like he was just he wasn't driven by I like when I think about it I'm like you're not driven by winning like yeah you want to win at all costs but there's that's not what's driving you to do this because you can tell because when he lost he was respectful you know he hated it it sucked like he didn't he hated that he lost but you know he's so bothered by the Isaiah Thomas stuff then walking off the court and he made this he's like no when you lose like you, you acknowledge the other team and you, you take it and whatever, because, so to me, that's like, Hey, it's not just about winning. Cause if it's just about winning, then you're a, like, you're a bad person to be around. Like it's no good. And so it's like, but if you can still honor the game, it's like, no, you just love the game. You love the game being played. Well, when I look at MJ and I watch that documentary, I'm like, you just love the game being played well. And you have this laser focus about your own game that puts you above everybody else, you know? And so it was like, I just think when you can thrive in competition, when you can thrive um, in those environments, it's not about failing. It's not about like he, he, there was a quote from that documentary about how he was like, why would I worry about a shot that I haven't taken yet? I think that was the quote. And it was like, you're not afraid of failure. You're so present. You're so in the moment. You're so um, like, I'm going to give everything and see what happens. And I think that's kind of where the root of competition is, is you're not worried about, oh, if I give it all and I fail, what happens? You're just like, I'm giving it all and I have faith in my preparation and I have faith in my abilities that if I truly give it all, we won't fail. And there's a piece to me in giving it all. Like I, that's how I've always played. Like, I don't want to be looking back and thinking, oh, I should have done more. I should have should have practiced more or I should have, I wish I wouldn't have held back in that moment. Like, no, I'm, I'm giving you all I got and whatever happens happens. And I can at least have peace with that. And I, when I watched that documentary, like that's what I saw in MJ. It's like, he prepared, 
So like he took care of the work side of it and then he was present and he didn't worry about what was like the what ifs. Cause if he trusts in his abilities and his talents and his preparation, like he think he, in his mind, he can't fail. So then if he does, he's like, all right, well, I had nothing. I didn't hold anything back, you know? And so I think it's like, there's a piece in giving all you've got. And I think if you can kind of live in that, live in that, all you've got like to the last drop to the tank is empty kind of mentality then there's a piece in that and that is when you can really compete you know you're not there's no subconscious should I do more should I like you know what I mean there's I don't know it's I've I haven't fully unpacked it in my own brain, so <laughs> I'm rambling. Well, no, you're not rambling at all. I mean, you're you're right on uh, right on cue. And and it, <laughs> for those of you watching this, okay, there was something that switched in Aubrey, and you all saw it when you started talking about competition. Aubrey, you sat up off the couch. You spoke yeah. in a different tone. It was almost mm-hmm. as if there was something else that possessed you. Um, yeah. My MJ talked about um, making up stuff. Right. So oh he gosh, would, that was hilarious. I mean, how crazy was that for him to be we able to, to, we used to do that crap at Florida. What'd you do? We would, well, we would, well, I don't know if we ever made stuff up, but we would print off cause we couldn't have social media in college. We were not allowed. So we, yeah, it was kind of a bummer, but at the same time I look back and like, it kind of served us kind of well. Yeah. Um, but we would print off like tweets from, I think LSU did it one time and they, some girl popped off. We would print them out put them on the floor of the locker room and everyone would step on it as they walked out. Like just stupid stuff that would, we latch onto something the other team did and or said or popped off about. And because we couldn't do anything about it really. And we shouldn't have anyway, like, even if we could, we should not have popped off back, but, um, and we would, it was like a fire. We'd be like, Oh, they think that they think they can say this about us. Okay. And I watched that MJ documentary. I'm like, yep that'll do it. Like, and he was on another level than we were even, I mean, and then to make stuff up just to fire himself (laughs) up. But to me, it's kind of cool because it's like, you know, what motivates you and it might sound crazy, but because you know, it motivates you and you know, it's going to take you to that next level. You'll do it. You know, it's like, it's crazy, but it's genius. Have you found that thing in you? Have you found that thing where you can, you can twist it? Like, you know, I'm, I'm around, uh, I don't know if you know this, but my brother is one of the most fierce competitors that's ever been. Like I, I, I got a chance to be able to watch him over the years. And, um, uh, he was, he's a killer, um, not only in his profession now, but he was a killer in sports and, um, and he knew, I've not seen the side of Rob. <laughs> oh, seriously. Like a, a absolute killer. He was, he was one of the guys who he would talk crap to you before you started on how he was going to beat you. He would start beating you and talk about what he was doing to you while he was doing it. And then he would get done and talk about all that he just did to you. Oh man. Like Ooh. the whole time. I mean, if we were playing Ooh. basketball, he would, he would talk about how, what he was going to do. He would tell you where he was going to go. And then while he was doing it, he would be like, I'm going past you. I'm going to do this. Then he would hit it. And then he would be running backwards, looking at you, talking oh, about like, this is what I just wow. did to you. So yep. have you found that thing in you that, that, uh, that, that's that, that little, little, little switch? You know, it's honestly, it's doing stuff for my team. Okay. I, I don't know why, but that's how I'm wired. And it's like, I am, if I am focused on the team I will be better so it's as I've gotten older it's because it just takes I don't know if I put pressure on myself when I think about my own stuff I don't know but I've always thrived like 
in college. So my batting average would be like very, like an average number. And then my postseason numbers would be crazy, especially considering what my regular season average was. But it's because all it is is about get the job done and go, get the job done on the next, get the job done on the next. And so for me, like I, like we, so we won in 2014 and 15 and I was on the world, I was on the all tournament team both those years. Like regular season, Aubrey really has no business being on an all tournament team, but like postseason Aubrey flips the switch. And it's because it's all about just win in advance, win in advance, like just checking the boxes till we get to our final goal, you know, like regionals, get through regionals, get through super regionals, get to the world series. Okay. Get to the championship series, win game one, win game two, or, you know, and so it was like being able to compartmentalize each like small task to get to the, the big goal um, was always something that I think I've been a little bit better at. Um, and honestly, I think I'm better at compartmentalizing some of that stuff because I have failed a lot mm. and I've had to grind out and I've like, I've had to, I have teammates who've been superstars their whole lives and they don't always handle failure as well. And not as a knock. It's just like, I mean, how do you handle something that you really haven't dealt with often, you know? And so for me being like just grinding through offensively most of my life, it was like, okay, I have to figure out how I can struggle offensively and go back out and be very pre- and fully present for my team and my pitchers as a catcher. So I'm able to flesh a lot easier and quicker, I think. Um and so it helps keep me compartmentalized and very present in each different aspect of my game. How did, how were you able to deal with when you went from, you know, you're in high school and you guys are smashing fools and then you go to college and you're around all the people who are smashing fools too. So now you're, you said that your freshman year wasn't what you thought it was mm-hmm. going to be. How were you able to deal with that emotionally? Um, well, for a while it was just, flat out hard, a lot of tearful phone calls to my mom. (laughs) And you know what though? She, I always have to give this disclaimer because I say this and then she's like, I didn't mean it all like that. So my mom in one of my phone calls, she was like, do you like, do you think you're going to want to transfer after this year? And I was like, um, I don't, I don't know. Like I truly was like my freshman year. I struggled. I wasn't the complete player. I thought I was for that level and for what our team needed that year, like just personnel wise. And then on top of that, I wasn't doing what I do best well. Like I was struggling catching and I was, so I was very much struggling with my identity and I was truly feeling like, okay, I don't belong here. I'm not good enough to be here. Like I was dealing with all of that kind of insecurity for like that whole year until about mid, mid spring when um, it was right about then that I kind of had that come to Jesus meeting and I was able to sort of start letting it go and not taking the field, not taking my performance of the field home with me. And so um, my mom had kind of put it out there, like, do you think you might want to transfer? And I didn't fully know. I definitely considered it. But I remember telling her, I was like, mom, I think I'm supposed to be here. Like, this is so freaking hard. Like I, and up to that point, I'm like, I'm 18, I'm 19 years old. Like, I've, this is as hard as it's ever been for me, you know, at that point. And I'm like, mom, I think I'm supposed to be here. This is, this sucks, but I think I'm supposed to be here still. I don't know why. And so as a believer now, I'm like, okay, that was totally like God just nudging me to stay, you know, and, and that that was where I was supposed to be, but it was a tough year. And it's hard because 
my team was really successful that year. So we made it to the world series. Like we weren't picked, we were not supposed to be that great. We had lost a lot of people. We were a very young team, um, not as experienced. We won the sec. We won the sec tournament. We made it to the world series, like against all these odds. So it was a killer year for my team, but from my personal performance standpoint, from my personal expectations of myself, I was disappointed of myself. So it was this weird, like dual feeling of on top of the world. Like this is so much fun. College softball. Let's go. Like we're competing. We're at the world series. This is what it's all about to kind of going home to my dorm and being like, I still, I don't feel good enough, you know? And so being able to fight through those things, but also again, it goes back. I was being, I was raised to be a good teammate. So I would be like, so present with my team and then kind of when I'm at my dorm by myself thinking about like, Oh man, this is hard. And so, um, my faith really got me through that year and my mom got me through that year. And there was enough, this is kind of how I like to think about it is there were enough bright spots to kind of keep me going. You know, there was like enough, you know, when, th- when they, there'd be like a really hard week where I'm like, just at my wit's end, like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is crazy. I'm feeling so lost and insecure there would be a bright spot, you know? And so there were enough of those to keep me going. And I truly enjoyed my team and the experience. I was just like, I need to be better. And so I came back my sophomore year with all new intention, but it was, it was a hard year. It was a really hard year. Um, Definitely like the most lost and insecure I think I've ever felt was that year. Wow. So then uh, your sophomore year and your junior year, then you guys Mm -hmm. get after it talk yeah. about let's go let's move forward to the senior year because you mm-hmm. said you got to supers right uh, yep. so you got to that and then you're you're expecting because you went to world series the first year right mm-hmm. you went to world series then you went to world series then you went to world series mm-hmm. and then i mean this move if you're watching the movie you're like okay world series world series world series then you're oh, gonna yeah. go world series again then you're gonna go on and do whatever we were certain we would three peat certain that we had the team to three P. Wow. Yeah. So what'd you go through then? I mean, what's like, cause you guys are going through, are you, are you in it just being like, cause you remember when MJ said on the last dance, he was like, we're probably not going to lose again. Like when he was in the playoffs mm-hmm. in 98, he was like, we're probably not going to lose again. We're going, mm-hmm. was that where you were at mentally? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, um, we had, gosh, my class was, tenacious I mean we would not be denied we came in hungry we stayed hungry we experienced success we were like we will not be denied and we had some crazy good talent in our freshman class that came in and I mean our sophomores and our juniors were great and so we had a incredibly talented team and it was kind of like we know the way get on board and like we'll honestly I'm watching this documentary with MJ thinking of my senior year thinking like, God, like they're talking about that 98 season. And it's literally like the feeling is get on board and I'll take you to the promised land. Like I will get you to the world series. And because I truly was like, I can't wait for these girls to experience the world series. It's the most fun in the world. And so then we're just, we had a lot of like weird stuff happen that year, like just weird culture stuff that wasn't really normal, but at the same time it was like we were so talented and we were so good. And it, I don't know, it was just a weird balance of stuff that year um, that I just, I still can't really put my finger on. It's just like weird, but we, it's like postseason comes around. I remember telling the freshmen, I looked them all in the face and I was like, get ready here. Like, this is the most fun of the whole year. Like, just get ready. 
and we get through regionals, we get through, and we get to super regionals and Georgia who like, if you're not familiar, the Florida Georgia rivalry is huge. Of course. So Georgia comes to Gainesville for a super regional. We're the one seed. They're the 16 seed. Like, but Georgia had this pitcher who for my entire career, we struggled off of. She was like the only pitcher my whole four years that like collectively as a team, we struggled against. And it was like, we thought we'd never face her again. <laughs> and she's here for supers. And so we lost the first game, but it's a three game series. Potentially. If you win the first two, you don't play third. So and we lost the first game and it's still like, all right, whatever. Like we don't care because my class we only lost like three series in my whole career. Like our, our winning percentage, our record as a class, like throughout our four years was stupid good. And so we're like, nobody beats us twice in a row. Like it's not, it doesn't happen. You know, historically speaking, we've only been beat twice in a row, like once or twice. And so we're like, we're good. We come back for that next game. And again, just like some weird stuff, like weird communication things. And the thing is, we get down to the seventh inning. We're winning by one run. And I am so locked in. I'm like, we win this game. We're going to win the next one. We're going to play right after. We're going to win game three. We're going to World Series. We're getting on a plane tomorrow. Like, so confident. I had, I mean, no doubt in my mind once we got the lead. So we're in the seventh inning. And I can look, they played it on TV this weekend. I didn't watch, but <laughs> um, it's seventh inning. And I remember coach Walton, my coach at Florida would have us like pump the crowd up. Like he was very into the fan experience and like being like putting on a good show. And so we were always like pumping the crowd up, like, here we go, get our feet, all that stuff, like just silly. But I remember going out for the seventh inning and I am looking around and I am smiling because again, peak competition, this is what I freaking live for. And so I'm out there and I remember looking around the crowd and I'm like, let's go. Like, you got like, come on, let me hear you. All this stuff. We get the first two outs. Somebody gets on on an error. And this girl gets up to pinch hit. We get her down 0-2. And she hits a walk-off bomb. <sighs> and it was like, whew, everybody goes like silent. And my center fielder, who was my roommate, my best friend, like, she slammed into the wall trying to rob this thing. I mean, like, she couldn't have caught it. It would have been a crazy miracle. Like it was just too far. But the fact is my teammate, Kirstie, who's been on sports center like three times robbing home runs. Like I truly thought until that ball was over the fence that we had a shot and it's just like over. I remember walking off the field, like, whoa, but uh, I mean, it's like when I was watching that documentary about MJ, it's like, I truly was like, we're, we're going to, I mean, I was like a whole game in the future, like so present. And so like, all we need like out by out pitch by pitch. Okay. We need one more strike and then we're going to beat them again. And we're going to world series. No doubt. Everyone's going to world series. We're going to have a blast. We're going to teach these kids how to win. And it was over in a freaking instant. I know you've enjoyed part one of Aubrey Monroe. Be sure to tune in to part two, the comeback, making the U S Olympic team and leaving a legacy that will transcend all sports.